0: section three of a failure of initiative this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org i'm andrew nelson in atlanta georgia a failure of initiative final report of the select bipartisan committee to investigate the preparation for and response to hurricane katrina by the united states house of representatives Investigation Overview, Part 2 Hearing Chronology, an Overview The select committee held nine hearings over the course of approximately three months. Select committee members and staff simultaneously conducted scores of interviews and received dozens of briefings from local, state, and federal officials, non-governmental organizations, private companies and individuals who provided or offered external support after Katrina, and hurricane victims. Select committee members and staff traveled numerous times to the Gulf Coast. The select committee also requested and received more than 500,000 pages of documents from a wide array of sources. The information gleaned from our investigation is provided in detailed narrative form, in subsequent chapters. What follows here is a brief synopsis of the topics, questions, and themes raised at each of our hearings. Predicting Hurricanes. What we knew about Katrina and when. September 22, 2005 Select Committee Hearing. The Select Committee began at a logical place, a hearing to establish a record of who was told what and when about the nature of the hurricane in the days immediately before the storm. We explore the timeline of Katrina, progressing from a tropical depression to a major hurricane, and asked when warnings were issued to the public and to federal, state, and local officials. We reaffirmed what we already suspected. At least two federal agencies passed Katrina's test with flying colors, the National Weather Service and the National Hurricane Center. Many who escaped the storm's wrath owe their lives to these agencies' accuracy. This hearing provided a backdrop for the remainder of our inquiry we repeatedly tried to determine how government could respond so ineffectively to a disaster that was so accurately forecast. How accurately? Storm track predictions released to the public 56 hours before Katrina came ashore were off by only 15 miles. The average 48-hour error is 160 miles and the average 24-hour error is 85 miles the hurricane center's predicted strength for katrina at landfall two days before the storm hit was off the mark by only ten miles per hour n w s director max mayfield personally spoke by telephone with the governors of mississippi and louisiana and the mayor of new orleans two days prior to landfall to warn them of what was coming he also gave daily pre-storm video briefings to federal officials in washington including top Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, and dhs brass, The day before Katrina hit, the NWS office in Slidell, Louisiana issued a warning saying, most of the area will be uninhabitable for weeks, perhaps longer, human suffering incredible by modern standards. The Select Committee determined, despite more recently revised reports, that Katrina was actually a strong Category 3 storm at landfall, not a Category 4, that Katrina's strength and the potential disaster it could bring were made clear well in advance through briefings and formal advisories. Inadequate response could not be blamed on lack of advance warning. Hurricane Katrina, the role of the Federal Emergency Management Agency, September 27, 2005 Select Committee Hearing. This hearing, featuring former FEMA director Michael Brown, attempted to construct a timeline of what FEMA did and did not do before, during, and after Katrina made landfall. Fair or not, by the time of this hearing, FEMA in general and Brown in particular had become the symbol of all that went wrong with the government's response to Katrina. By the September 27th hearing date, with the emergence of Hurricane Rita, the select committee had the ability to compare and contrast disaster response actions after the two storms. While Rita was predicted to be a very different storm from Katrina, a mere size large compared to a size xl and a storm that struck a far less densely populated area, it was immediately clear that governments at all levels did things differently this time around. More supplies were stockpiled on the ground prior to Rita's arrival. The federal government declared Rita an incident of national significance two days before landfall, triggering our most thorough response, and named a federal officer in charge. These steps occurred two days after Katrina. 10,000 National Guardsmen were called to Texas in advance of Rita. Louisiana summoned 1,500 before Katrina search and rescue operations were far better coordinated even if a little rough around the edges massive pre-storm evacuation of houston and surrounding locales showed improved foresight from state and local officials and how lives can be saved when people pay attention to a coordinated message from their government we also attempted to clarify fema's role in disaster response We were faced with the problematic reality that many Americans, and perhaps even some state and local officials, falsely viewed FEMA as some sort of national fire and rescue team. An important task for the select committee moving forward was defining what FEMA is, what it can and cannot do based on what it is actually charged with doing by statute. We noted FEMA is not a first responder agency, with the resources to assume principal responsibility for overwhelmed state and local governments during a disaster. This is the real world, not the real world. There is no Tommy Lee Jones character that comes and takes charge of, well, everything but we also attempted to contextualize that discussion. In other words, before getting to what FEMA cannot do, we wanted to understand what they simply did not do. Just because they are not first responders does not mean that they should be a second thought. We explored the possible causes of FEMA's inadequate response, which are covered exhaustively in subsequent chapters, among those discussed at the hearing inadequacies of the stafford act organizational or budgetary or grant making shortcomings state and local governments that didn't know how to ask for help or simply didn't a bureaucratic mindset that now emphasizes terrorism to the exclusion of natural disaster planning we looked at these possibilities and more We also examined why FEMA seemed unable to implement lessons that should have been learned well in advance of Katrina. There were the lessons of previous hurricanes. Further, FEMA officials participated in the now widely known exercise called Hurricane Pam in July 2004, an exercise that predicted with eerie similarity Katrina's impact on New Orleans, including an evacuation of a million people, overflowing levees and the destructions of hundreds of thousands of buildings hurricane katrina the role of the department of homeland security october nineteenth two thousand five select committee hearing although by this date fema and michael brown had received the most attention from members of congress state and local officials, and the news media in Katrina's wake, the select committee sought to recognize that DHS and Secretary Michael Chertoff have primary responsibility for managing the national response to a catastrophic disaster, according to the National Response Plan, NRP. Therefore, three weeks after hearing from Michael Brown, we turned to his boss, the man who ultimately fired him. We needed to find out if Michael Brown had it right when he testified that FEMA had been underfunded and understaffed, that it had become emaciated, and that Congress had undermined FEMA's effectiveness when the agency was folded into DHS. Michael Brown testified that he asked the Department for funding to implement the lessons learned from the Hurricane Pam exercise and that those funds were denied. He also testified about brain drain, diminished financial resources, and assessments of 70 to $80 million by DHS for department-wide programs. He said he had written memos to Secretary Ridge and Secretary Chertoff regarding the inadequacy of FEMA's resources. We asked Secretary Chertoff about those assertions. We also sought to establish the Department's role and responsibilities in a disaster. What resources can the Secretary bring to bear? What triggers the decision to deploy those resources? During Katrina, how personally involved was Secretary Chertoff in seeking, authorizing, or deploying specific resources? Under the National Response Plan, the DHS Secretary is the Federal official charged with declaring an incident of national significance. Part of that declaration entails naming a principal federal official, PFO, to manage the response. The government's pre-landfall decision to declare an incident of national significance with Rita suggested awareness that the call came too late with Katrina. And based on some of Brown's emails, we knew that he resented being named the PFO by the secretary, we needed to ask secretary chertoff what he thought about that and what those comments said about the underlying nrp finally we asked secretary chertoff what we asked all officials during our investigation where were you in the days and hours right before during and after the hurricane what were you doing who were you talking to new york university professor paul light wrote shortly after katrina that Mr. Chertoff is just about the only official in Washington who can say, I told you so, about FEMA, based on some of the reforms he outlined in July 2005 in his second stage review. We asked Secretary Chertoff if he believed FEMA's response to Katrina would have been better if the reforms had been in place on August 29th. Hurricane Katrina preparedness and response by the department of defense the coast guard and the national guard of louisiana mississippi and alabama october twenty seventh twenty o five select committee hearing at this hearing we examined department of defense responsibilities procedures and coordination with the department of homeland security in the event of a catastrophic disaster we looked at the roles of the national guard and u s northern command in disaster response as the operational arms of DOD and the states, and we reviewed the role of the Coast Guard, a unique national asset with both military capabilities and domestic law enforcement authorities. We sought to establish a timeline of the military's actions, what they were asked to do, when they were asked, and whether the jobs actually got done. We acknowledged the heroic efforts that DOD, the National Guard, and Coast Guard personnel made, efforts that saved many, many lives, The mobilization was massive and, at least once the call went out, swift and effective. But we also discussed problems with the military response. The select committee believed even some of the successes occurred despite less than optimal planning, and too often officers were planning in a crisis environment. There were problems, with situational awareness and damage assessments, with coordinating search and rescue operations with the effective use of defense coordinating officers by FEMA, with an early and persistent disconnect between DOD and state and local authorities, with inadequate telecommunications that prevented effective coordination, and, once again, with failing to learn as much as possible from previous disasters. While we continued to emphasize that local first responders are best suited for handling local emergencies, the recurring question was, What happens when first responders are overwhelmed, as they clearly were in Katrina? As a result, we asked whether DOD anticipated these circumstances, what preparations were made, and what actions were taken with regard to the National Response Plan's Catastrophic Incident Annex, the annex that authorizes federal agencies to act when state and local capacity even to know what they need is compromised by the sheer size of the calamity. Our hearing came amid growing debate over an expanded military role in future disasters. President Bush prompted the discussion in a nationally televised address from New Orleans on September 15th, saying, It is now clear that a challenge on this scale requires greater federal authority and a broader role for the armed forces, the institution of our government, most capable of massive logistical operations on a moment's notice. Two witnesses... Paul McHale, Assistant Secretary of Defense for Homeland Defense, and Admiral Timothy J. Keating, Commander, North American Aerospace Defense Command and U.S. Northern Command, had indicated prior to the hearing that DOD was considering training and equipping an active duty force specifically for disaster response. Those remarks led to some confusion over specifics, and even to some outright opposition. On October 13th, The National Governors Association issued a statement reasserting their authority. Governors are responsible for the safety and welfare of their citizens and are in the best position to coordinate all resources to prepare for, respond to, and recover from disasters, the association wrote an october twenty first statement by assistant to the president for homeland security adviser francis townsend who is leading president bush's examination of the federal response to katrina also spawned negative reactions from state officials townsend reportedly said she was considering whether there is a narrow band of cases in which the president should seize control when a disaster strikes a spokesperson for louisiana governor kathleen babino blanco responded by saying she could not think of an instance in which the president should be able to unilaterally take control we don't believe katrina was the time and i don't know what another time would be denise betcher told the times picayune the select committee therefore began addressing this basic tension On the one hand, we heard understandable caution from our members and witnesses against overreacting to Katrina with sweeping changes to laws or processes, caution against deviating too wildly from the locals-as-first-responders paradigm. None of us believed the best lesson to be learned from Katrina was that all answers can be found in Washington. On the other hand, the call for increasing the military's role in domestic affairs is easy to grasp. Who else can respond the way the military can? who else can stand up when others have fallen this tension was reflected in the national response plan before katrina the catastrophic incident index assumes that local response capabilities may be insufficient as they will be quickly overwhelmed but the nrp plan states federal resources will only be integrated into the response effort upon a request by state and local authorities and assume state and local officials will be able to do the integrating themselves. The select committee was left wondering if the plan, as written, tried to have its cake and eat it too. How can we rely on the overwhelmed to acknowledge they are overwhelmed, and then expect them to direct and manage the process of coming to their rescue? We agreed we needed a closer evaluation of existing procedures for DOD under the National Response Plan, paying particular attention to DOD's role when first responders are wiped out or otherwise incapable of providing the initial response. We agreed that incidents of national significance require a response on a national scale, but we also agreed the devil is in the details. We cannot expect the Marines to swoop in with MREs every time a storm hits. We train soldiers to fight wars. You can't kill a storm. So what is the threshold? when can or should the stafford act's assumption that states will be able to pull needed federal resources to meet their needs give way to the operational imperative that federal agencies push assets to those who need them what would spur the kind of enhanced or heightened military role that some have been promoting in the aftermath of katrina when would we pull that trigger and finally would it have made a difference in the response to katrina the fact is military resources are not infinite it seems the kind of standing humanitarian force that would be needed to provide this sort of immediate assistance at a moment's notice would either threaten readiness or require an expansion of the active force and a significant boost in how well they are equipped legal questions also arose Were we talking about statutory changes? Should we revisit posse comitatus, the 127-year-old law that bars federal troops from assuming domestic law enforcement duties? Did Katrina demonstrate a need for a new exception to posse comitatus, one to be utilized after major disasters? The select committee ultimately refocused the discussion by simplifying the question, do we need a larger DOD role or just a smarter one? the select committee tried to acknowledge at this hearing what an incredible job the coast guard did and recognized the national guard's clear sense of urgency we noted for the record that northern command had prepared for this storm deploying defense coordinating officers to the three states before landfall and placing units on alert But we also had to recognize that it was unclear how much real support was in place before the storm arrived, and that Secretary McHale himself had acknowledged prior to our hearing the DoD response was too slow. End of section 3. I'm Andrew Nelson in Atlanta, Georgia.